0: Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Alright, another day of what are you doing with yourself? You're working for home, you gotta be the teacher to your kid because your kid's doing everything online and you're homeschooling, you're sitting around bored. Alright, today is different. Because today is John Stockton's 57th birthday. John Stockton, the big 57 today. And NBA TV is celebrating with five great games from jazz history. And they are all from the Stockton era. So here's how they're doing it. It starts at 10 o'clock. They thought about starting it earlier. Then they realized that our show goes till 10. It would be a massive drain on their ratings. So they decided to start at 10 o'clock Mountain Time, 12 Eastern. Five games... Uh, Early they got a couple of regular season games from the 90s, uh, one with the Spurs, one with the Nuggets, and not the Nuggets big comeback game. According to the date they posted, it doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. Uh, they did pick the 1993 NBA All-Star game. That's going to be at noon. So it'll be games at 10, noon, and 2. And then at uh, 4 o'clock, they're doing some of their studio stuff. And then uh, 5 o'clock, they come back, and they're going to have the uh, Rockets game. The Jazz and the Rockets the 97 Western Conference Finals, Game 6, and Stockton's going to hit a three-pointer and win it. And then they also picked Game 3 of the NBA Finals in 97 when the Jazz came home down 2-0 and they won and the building was electric. Personally, I would have picked Game 4. Game 3 was good, but I thought Game 4 was better. Uh, Stockton hit a long three. A long three-pointer. I was surprised he took it. Um, but he made it. He was well, well behind. A couple of dribbles behind the three-point line. It was, it was deep. And he also got a rebound and threw a 75-foot pass over the top to Malone, who it just barely got over the defender's figure, fingers. I can't remember who it was. If it was Harper or Pippen, I can't remember. Um, and Carl caught it. And took one step and, and leaped and laid it in just as a shot blocker was flying at him. And the arena positively erupted. I was up on the sixth floor. That's where they moved the media for the finals then. And uh, it was chaos. You could just see everywhere. The whole building was shaking. I knew it could make it through a 5.7 earthquake because it made it through that game. It was phenomenal. I'll never forget. There was this guy sitting, and we were a little above the last row in the club suites that, that they had up. They've redone it up there now. Um, but we could look out. And there was this guy, and he had an aisle seat in the last row, and he got up and his arms were folded, and he was just pacing back and forth, pacing. Now it was just like one step turn, one step turn, one step turn. He was so, there was so much tension, just not in him, but in the other 19, 9, 11, the capacity back in the day. So if you want to watch those games, it's all day long on NBA TV. I've tweeted out the schedule. You can find it on my Twitter feed at David DJ James, and you can check it out there and uh, record it or do whatever you want to do. But, you know, it's something different to help you pass the time. And it's John Stockton's 57th birthday, so NBA TV decided why not. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up... Tim Lacombe, used to be on the Utah basketball staff, then an assistant coach at BYU. Uh, He's going to talk college basketball and all of this, what this means. He was at the ACC tournament, actually, when everything got shut down. We'll talk to him about that, Um, about how this is going to impact recruiting, about how this is going to impact the coaching carousel. I think instead of... You know, usually 15 to 20 percent of the coaches change, maybe even more than that. Uh, but I don't think we're going to see many coaching changes at all. I, I am uh, 180 degrees reverse from where I was in February, uh, which I think is good news for BYU, because I think Mark Pope would have been highly sought after. I think he would have multiple big money power five offers. And I think it's a different world now. Uh, we'll get into that with Tim. We'll do that next. Stay with us.
1: DJ and PK, it's
0: time now to welcome in Tim Lacombe, former Utah and BYU basketball staffer, Utah Jazz radio studio analyst on pre-half and post-game shows. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. dollars 99 Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Tim, Good morning. Good morning. We've not spoken in a while since uh, basketball shut down and you were uh, you were on a little bit of an odyssey and then all of a sudden everything came to a stop.
2: Yeah, I was on an odyssey. I um, actually was back in a- in ACC country. I went back for my first ACC tournament and uh, got off the play in Greensboro about the time they said no more fans at the games which was kind of a drag. Um... And then next morning, woke up, and they went ahead and shut the whole thing down, so I don't know I tend to have an impact like that on on things and people when I try to go out and do stuff, you know so it's better if I'm home, sheltering in place.
3: Without the tournament. Obviously, it's a big blow to all of us because we love watching it. doesn't matter who we are, or what we're rooting for. It's just something that is woven within our American sports fabric without question. And it's unique to us. Nobody else has anything close to it. I don't think they have any college sports anywhere, maybe up in Canada. some But we've been hearing about that uh, okay, the spring sports they can get this year back. winter sports. They've been saying, well, maybe they would consider it. I, I really don't see where there's any way that, that the spring sports can get the – excuse me, the winter sports can get the year back. I think it would be too complicated. Do you see any way, and are you in favor of it?
2: Well, I think that – I mean, I agree with you from the outside looking in. It looks pretty complicated. Um, I really think that, simply put, I think if there were some sort of uh, – you know, waiver written in for next year for guys who ended up wanting to stay around because they don't think, I mean, I, I even think in a local case here, you know, you look at Sam Merrill, Utah state, Utah, Yoli, um, and, and Jake and TJ. I mean, all those guys are a little bit older. They've been here a while, you know, it comes right down to it. How long, how many of them would stick around for another year or two? Uh, Cause guys got life as well. Um, I think it could be done, but you're right, BK would be pretty complicated um, and probably have an impact going forward. So it's probably one of those things, as much as you'd like to do and see that for the kids, I don't know if it's feasible to be able to do it.
0: In the uh, land of unintended consequences, uh, there are many of them, I'm sure, but one that jumped out at me right away is, well, then the kids who are juniors never really get to be seniors because they got all these seniors over here still being seniors. It seems like there's a trickle-down impact on other players, from playing time to shots to not being BMOC. So it sounds pretty complicated. I'm with you.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it's uh, just one of those things in theory would be awesome. Uh, but then when you start trying to figure out, because, you know, some teams like BYU this year had seven seniors or something crazy like that. Um, when you start waiving, you're giving that many waivers and then rosters get out of whack and it affects your recruiting, and yeah, it just seems a little nutty.
3: Plus, two, you got teams like Utah who literally finished their season. Why should they? Well, they didn't have any seniors of note. I get that. But. Just using that as an example, why should any of those seniors get the year back when they already had the season? So I don't think they do it, nor I think they should do it. But I don't have any problem with the spring sports. But there's been all these restrictions on recruiting. How do you think that's going to affect recruiting with all these things that are going on in a lot of different sports that have been
2: curtailed? Yeah, it's. I mean, I can speak to basketball because you uh, know the minute that you get done with your season, there's obviously a, a window during the Final Four that's dead, you can, so that they kind of keep that on equal footing. Enough um, teams are in the Final Four, or, or a lot of coaches go back to the Final Four for convention at the end of the year, they wanted to keep that kind of blocked off, so there's a period of time during that week that is dead, but other than that, now this is, this last week was supposed to be the the National Junior College Tournament, which is back in Hutchinson, Kansas every year, and it's an awesome tournament. You can go back there and, you know, find guys that maybe slipped through the cracks. Um, you're obviously going out to schools, and and now with transfers, as big as they are, you know, transfer guys hit the portal, and then they were able to come out and do a visit. So all that stuff now is out, and you're going to have to do all of that stuff for the foreseeable future. Um, you know on on the phone or video conference, you gotta get creative, so uh, that's kind of the, the challenge at hand and and many of the staffs, like I was talking to guys both at b y u and Utah this last week and um, they they were telling me they can't even go in the office, you know, so even if no one else is there they they pretty much quarantine those offices, so they're doing it all kind of remotely from one another and from for all their guys. So it's, it's an interesting time for sure.
0: How would you advise a player to work out now? Because normally they'd be working out, but there's just all kinds of limitations. High school gyms are closed up. They can't get to those. Uh, you know, belonging to some club, going to some gym there. You, you can't do that. What would you tell a player?
2: Get really creative. Um, you know, find somebody that maybe has a key to a church that you could slide in. I mean, I was... I was I was the king of that actually growing up. I didn't ever have keys, but I kind of leave a block of, of wood in one of the windows so I could sneak through, you know, got to be creative. Um, but more than that, I think more, more than anything, they just got to continue to, you know, it's hard. It's hard. You guys are probably seeing it. Um, you know, I've, I've been such a picture of health for many years, but this coronavirus will break, man, I'm starting to kind of throw a little weight. So, um, it's, it's just kind of an interesting time where guys got to get creative about how they work out, where they work out. Um, you know, like you say, gyms are shut down, so got to be an inside job. You got to know somebody that knows somebody and get you in somewhere.
3: So this Van Comen kid out of Utah put his name in the transfer portal. Uh, is BYU a possibility, and you may have been involved in the recruiting of it? What was going on there?
2: Um, I was, yeah, so I've watched Matt play a ton. Um, you know, Matt's obviously a great player. Um, you know, more than anything, it just came down to the kind of system and fit for us at BYU. But I would say that I think BYU's got to be pretty interested. I, I don't have that. Um, I heard that secondhand. But, yeah, I heard that uh, that they're very interested. But he's a kid who will. You know, the transfers, especially right now with nothing else going on, transfers kind of, are they're recruited above their level often. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, schools that wouldn't even give them the time of day of high school come in the second go-around uh, just because it's kind of new and intriguing. Um, but Matt, he's a great player. He's He's got a chance to be a kid. if If he can get, you know, an opportunity to really kind of shine and he's not going to be great in a five out system you know he's a guy who has to be more traditional you kind of think Rudy Gobert you know that's kind of the type of player he can be can be defensive you know wizard blocking shots but you know you get him away from the basket offensively and defensively and it kind of limits his ability to be effective so those are just steps he's got to take to get better, and also look for where he ends up being a system that kind of plays to that a little more than uh, than a five out situation would.
0: So, what percentage of college teams want to go five out, and what percentage want to have a true old school post player in the paint?
2: I think if you just looked at ages of coaches, you know, I think that might give you some. And I'd say that being funny, but I'm being serious. I think I think there's a whole you know, new movement foot uh, over the last, I guess, five six years. Um, that really values the, you know, the analytics, the three point line, you know, three point lines or layups or nothing else. Um, and in those systems, typically, you want a big mobile guy that can block shots, but you also want a big mobile guy that can step away, pick and pop, um, you know, space the floor for a skip, be able to be active and athletic enough to be able to catch it, shot fake, do something with it. So um, I guess to break it down on a percentage basis, I mean, I wouldn't even dare guess, but I would say that the trend is definitely moving toward smaller, um, more athletic guys. I guess positionless basketball is is a term that's used a lot, Um, and I would say that it's probably – that number is probably bigger of guys who want to or are trying to play positionless basketball than the other, um, you know. But again, I think it, a lot of it's based on the come from of the head coach.
3: How realistic is it, it to expect BYU to get the best LDS talent every year?
2: Um, well, the one thing you have to you know, if you are BYU, if you're working there, if you're if recruiting to there is is important. I think it's vital. Um, you know, it's certainly uh It's kind of a very. A difficult thing anymore because these used to be that uh, these kids grew up playing, grew up dreaming of playing at BYU, and, you know, not a whole lot of other things got in the way. Um, nowadays, it's uh, I'm telling you just to get a. A really good local player with ties to your university uh, that is you know shares the same religious beliefs all that it, it's crazy how hard that's become compared to when I started you know 20 years ago um, back then you'd identify the best players you let them know you're interested they would get excited and everything and roll but it's it's important to get the best player. It's important, in my mind, I think you need to get the best LDS player. That was always, always our goal. Um, it's just, it's just getting harder to do that now because, you know, you look at the football side, um, and you look at the guys who end up chasing the best LDS athletes, and it's a who's who. Um, and basketball has really kind of become that way too. Um, you know, I remember we had Frank Jackson locked up; he was committed he was in the 10th grade. We kind of got our work done early and I was in a gym somewhere. I want to say I was back in New York, but we're out there in the summer watching Frank play and he was just putting on a show. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw Coach K and one of his uh, staff members walk over the side of the court and I'm thinking, walk away, walk away, walk away. And He goes and doesn't walk away. He actually pulls up a chair and watches him play for the second half. And, you know, that's kind of when you start going, oh, boy. It's going to get tricky. So um, really, really important to get him. Not as easy as it looks. And uh, the way things are going anymore with scouting services, social media, ability to really kind of dig in on any kid, it makes it really, really hard to, to get the LDS kid.
0: Tim Lacombe joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We have heard, and we're going to have uh, Kalani Satake on here in a little while, um, about all the missionaries coming home and, you know, they're the coming home all at once and they weren't supposed to, and that uh, is going to put them in a numbers crunch. Do you know how the basketball program is set up with that? Do you have any idea who's coming back and how they'll fit and if they'll end up sliding over to other schools because there's going to be too many? Too many players all at once. Any idea how that will work out?
2: Um, I know. I think they're fine in terms of, of guys coming home. Um, you know, there are, there are a handful of guys on a mission, but Hunter Erickson just got back about a week ago, week and a half ago. Um, he's a kid we signed from Tim Bue, who's going to be a great player. He's. Uh, I think he's a guy who you watch him play, he kind of reminds you of Travis Hanson, very, very great ability to score. But he's got a toughness to him too. Um, I don't think he's as uh, I don't think he's as big a know-it-all as Travis, but I think everything else he's kind of got Travis's game. Nice. Um, but I, in terms of the other, I don't really know. I don't really know the other the situation very well. The Guys coming home, um, or guys that have just gone out. I don't think there's a whole slew of them. I think football's going to deal with that way more. Than basketball. I think one thing you will look at though is will it postpone or deter guys who are planning to go on missions to maybe not go, and then you've got a guy like Dallin Hall sitting in the wings, right? That um, and guys like that. If something were to happen, if they're postpone guys going out, and I don't know how any of that's going to work, but that, that certainly would would leave a couple of guys there that you weren't planning on, and but that kind of happens every year one way or another.
3: Do you think as far as then recruiting the non-LDS athlete for BYU, is the best way to go about this through the transfer route or still high school?
2: No, I think, I think the, the transfer route has become a very, very uh, great way to introduce BYU to kids. Um, I think out of high school, most kids have their mind made up that they're going to go try to play at some place they're familiar with or they have some familiarity with. Um, or it's a, you know, it's one of those dream things where, you know, Chase Fisher tells the story that when he was recruited out of West Virginia, he was going in his mind, he was gonna take the very biggest offer that came, and you know, regardless of his relationship or system fit, I think kids think that a lot. Um, you know, he ended up going to Wake Forest and it didn't work out great for him, and then on the rebound, I think that's where, in particularly, BYU and Pope position themselves this year. Um, they got a lot of TV time. They got a lot of uh, great exposure. They had an awesome year. And so I think in the transfer market, you you use that and you build on that. And one thing I'm really encouraged about, um, when I was there um, two years ago, um, in, uh, we were basically told from upper campus that we're no longer able to recruit grad transfers, that it's just not something that school wanted to get involved with too heavily. Um, and so I knew right then and there that was going to be an issue because everything was trending toward grad transfers. And that's actually probably BYU's best chance to get a kid who's mature, who's graduated already, who's looking for an adventure. Um, and then understands, Hey, you come out here, you take one visit to the university. They throw on the film of that place sold out. You walk that arena, you see the facilities you meet the people and it's over. um, so one thing BYU's got going for them in a big sense right now is I think campus is totally back in harmony with bringing grad transfers in. Um, and I think transfers all the way around are guys that, you know, they can really help BYU in areas that, uh, that maybe a high school kid trying to get his bearings can't. So transfers, and particularly transfers to football and basketball, I would say are, are really, really huge. As big as Recruiting out high school, you got to be in that market for sure.
0: Last thing before we let you go: uh, a couple months ago, I thought the coaching carousel would do its normal thing, but nothing is normal now. And from people who have lost a lot of money in the stock market, who may boosters who may not want to write a check to buy somebody out, to the fact that it just looks bad to be spending $5, five, ten, or fifteen million to buy out a coach now, uh, with all the other priorities where the money could be spent that are so much more important. How many coaching changes are there going to be this off season?
2: Well, there were a couple that I was pretty much sure were going to happen, um, and I, just, I over the last couple of days I just saw that a couple of those they you know the AD came out and said, "Hey, you know, we're not making a change." Um, so I think it it's affecting it big, um, or as, as Trump would say, it's affecting it bigly, very importantly, bigly. Um, you like when I do that, don't you, DJ? I laughed. Thank you.
0: I didn't think you'd go um, there, and then all of a sudden, you did. Look at you,
2: Biggie. Uh, so it's it's one of those things. That I think that the um, you know that the they just got to take a great look at it. Um, it's got to be something that totally makes sense if you want to make a move. But I, I, I'm with you. I think that money's dried up. Guys aren't willing to write checks, and I think the PR right now would look worse. I mean, we're right in that season uh, with NCAA tournaments supposedly going on, you know, Final Four coming up. That's, this is that season where about every, you know, 30 minutes you see on the ticker that somebody either lost a job or got a job. And there's just not that many jobs out there. And my guess is if, if this uh, coronavirus continues and, um, you know, we're, we're under these circumstances that that probably will save a whole lot of college basketball jobs because people don't want to move during it.
0: All right. We appreciate some time as always, Tim. Thanks for checking in. All right, guys. Thank you. There's Tim Lacombe. When we come back, Pace Mannion, his son Nico at Arizona. Uh, Pace is married to a woman who grew up in Italy. So, how everything is impacting the draft, the NCAA tournament, his friends and family over in Italy. We'll get to all of that next. Stay with us.
1: Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go! Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
0: Right now, it's time to talk with Pace Mannion. Former Utah jazz player, former Ute, former broadcaster, Pace, good morning.
4: Good morning, guys. How you
0: doing? Good. Uh, So I I texted you to come on the show. (laughs) I said, hey, do you have a few minutes for us? No, I'm real busy, a bunch of laughing, (laughs) crying emojis. Everyone's looking for a way to pass the time, and I wanted to get a tip from you, but apparently you don't have any. You're just sitting around bored. I'm just really
4: busy right now. I don't know what you guys are doing.
0: (laughs) All right, so uh, let's start with um, March Madness being canceled you have great March Madness memories. I know you went to the Sweet 16 your senior year and uh, you know, played Thurl's team when they were on their run. were you on a Sweet 16 your sophomore year as well?
4: Right, yeah. We got beat at That uh, was our only home loss that year. We lost to North Carolina at home the year before Jordan got there. They had Worthy, Perkins, Al Wood, that group. Uh, beat us at home by five. So you know what all the kids gave up
0: when March Madness got canceled, though.
4: Yeah, no, it's uh, you know, it was rough. We were we were in uh, in Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament obviously and had played one game Nico had played Washington and and beat them and on you know, the following morning is when all the news came in that everything was being canceled they were getting ready to play USC but yeah it was it was devastating for i mean all those kids you know we had to live it with Nico but you know there's you know the seniors that were you know some of those kids on the Arizona team it was the first time they were going to get to play in a in a tournament some of the grad transfers you know get from Columbia, one from well Max Hazard already played the year before, but it would have been nice to get everybody that experience and and uh, see how far you could have gone.
3: So, because base, you know, I got my Arizona connections. I follow what's going on there, and I saw that the Arizona Republic had did a story on your son had tweeted out about uh, i think it was a tweet some form of social media about the situation going on in italy and obviously that's very close to your heart i think you spent 14 15 years there plus you've got so much family there extended family anyway uh can you give us an update into how it's individually going for them and what's going on in
4: that country well you know we've been watching it when the news hit here about the virus you know they've been going through it for a while and it's been, it's been rough. You know, they're basically under martial law. They don't leave the house unless it's to go to a grocery store. Um, you have to have a, a basically a, like a note, you have to have a piece of paper allowing you to go, and you have to be in the area of your home. If you go somewhere else, you, know, you can be arrested and fined. It's, uh, but they've had, you know, yesterday they had 743 deaths. So it's, uh, it's impacted everybody. Our families so far have been safe. Um, I had a friend of mine, um, text me yesterday that he'd lost his close friend. One of my assistant coaches that I had for four years over there who's now a head coach in, in Italy, but, you know, so it's affecting everybody. You know, you see Carl Anthony Towns' post today about his mom being put into a coma. I mean, it's just, it's, it doesn't matter who you are or, you know, how much money you have or, or where you live. It's, it's affecting everybody out there. And Nico, you know, he just wanted to get something out there because he felt like, He'd just been watching all those kids at spring break um, in Florida playing. And he, to him, it was just a shock. You know, here we are trying to keep everybody safe. And, and that's when he posted what he posted, um, just for the awareness factor, hoping that, you know, his his generation would understand this is this is serious. And please take it serious because you're going to affect somebody. It might not be you, um, but, you know, you read, you see Donovan Mitchell, who doesn't have any symptoms at all, but carries the virus and – you know, you take that home to somebody elderly or somebody with underlying conditions and and you lose that person because you were, you know, not taking care of yourself. So that's one of the things Nico just wanted to get out there. I was, you know, he did that all on his own. I just happened to read it the, the day it got posted. So it was uh, it was nice to see.
0: So, obviously, he wants to stay in shape for whatever comes next. Uh, PK and I have been assuming for a long time the NBA draft is what comes next for Nico. I guess you can correct us if we're wrong. But how do you do all the stuff, you know, stay safe and yet still stay in shape and try to keep your skills as sharp as possible?
4: Um, Nico's pretty lucky that way. We have a home that's, you know, a couple miles from ours. The guy has an indoor gym with a weight room where. You know, it's him and his family, and he allows Nico and his trainer to come in and train. So uh, he's been lucky that way. I know not everybody has that, um, and so he's he's getting his work in. He's preparing for what comes next, whether the, you know whether he goes to the draft or he decides to go back to Arizona. Um, but that's you know his hour and a half, two hours a day when he you know he gets to train and, and four days a week lift at the same place with his with his strength and conditioning coach. So he's, uh, you know, that's that's what he does. That's his his release and getting out of the house and, and then his home the rest of the day. And it's uh, it's tough, you know, it's tough.
3: This is an intriguing time because kids make these decisions whether to go to college or continue to go to college or whether they put their name in the draft and you're involved in this process. What goes into it in terms of, getting all the information that you need to make the best decision possible for that given individual?
4: Well, the first step, um, and I think most kids, you know, there are some kids that won't go through the full process because they're going to go no matter what. Um, But you have to submit a form um, from your coach, and you get feedback from all 30 teams. And it it gives you, you know, you're projected as, you know, a 1 to 14, a 15 to 30, you know, thirty-one to sixty, or you're not considered a draftable player. And if you do that, then you have an opportunity to come back to college. If you don't do that, then and you just declare for the draft and go through the process, you basically said, "I'm leaving. I'm not coming back." So, you know, we 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 did the form. Sean Miller, um you know, he he submitted that for Nico. We haven't got that back yet. That should come back next week. Um. You know, we have a pretty good idea of what, you know, where his draft stock is right now. Um, just from, you know, feedback from NBA people and agents and, and those things. So, Nico's going to weigh out what he feels is best for him. You know, you just the future's so uncertain. Everything's so fluid right now with the virus that you're just trying to figure out what's going to happen and how are they going to do it. Obviously, there's not going to be, they don't think there'll be any, um, there won't be an NBA combine. There won't be. Any workouts, um, unless some of these people want to fly out to Arizona and you know and, and, and see a workout with Nico. Those things will could happen, um, but we just don't know right now. You know, maybe some streamed uh, workouts for NBA teams so they can see see an NBA workout and see what he's going through, um, just to try and help his stock if, if if that's what we think is necessary. But that's kind of the process right now, and then it's just up. I think it's up to every kid to decide. You know, do you want another year of college? Or do you think it's best to, you know, to make that jump? And, you know, I mean, obviously, Nico's leaning towards going right now. Um, and if this passes and there will be a, you know, NBA season that finishes and, and a draft and all those things, then, you know, he's, he's likely to do that. But until we have all the, all the facts in front of us and what's really going on, you know, that'll have to be uh, put on hold for a lot of people.
0: Okay, so how different is the process for someone who doesn't have a pro basketball player in the family because the generation of guys that you played with and against are now scouts, they're broadcasters, they're coaches, they're GMs, they're assistant GMs. Uh, It seems like you would have more information and Nico would have more information than the average potential first
4: round projected kid. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have contacts that I can get, you know, true and honest feedback from, um, you know the problem with most of these kids is they're being handled by not just their parents, but by a handler from an AAU team, a coach, uh, a guy who's trying to make money on the kid. And those things are is when it gets tough. And that's why you see so many. Even last year, I don't know how many kids. I think there were over sixty that put their name in the draft and get them drafted and give up, you know, college eligibility. Um, and so I've been through it. I know. You know, you're right. I have a lot of contacts. And, you know, obviously we're going through the agent process right now. So we have a, you know, we have calls set up every afternoon right now through this week and part of next week, um, talking to agents, um, letting them make their pitch, you know, to represent Nico, finding out who will be best and listening to what they say about the You know, where do they see him going and what do they see? Now you gotta be careful because obviously they're going to tell you everything you want to hear because they're trying to represent you and make some money. But for the most part, it's, uh, you know, most of those guys are pretty honest and, and, and understand that they're not dealing with, you know, I can get feedback from anywhere, so I don't. they don't usually, I don't think people are trying to take advantage of us like they would somebody else that hasn't been through this. You know, so that's a plus for Nico. Um, and just to keep him relaxed and calm through the process is the biggest thing. He's a pretty calm kid already, but, um, you know, obviously there's, there's stress and, and tough decisions to be made, and we'll just try to help him as much as we can and, and guide him like, you know, what we think is best for him. And that will be uh, – it's never easy. it's, It's always stressful for everybody involved.
3: I find that fascinating, Pace, that you submit your name or your coach submits the name and then they give you feedback and you'll say you're going to be getting that in the next week or so in terms of you're going to be 1 through 10, 10 through 20, 10 for 30, whatever it might be. Uh, because we see the draft every year is crazy, and, and a kid like Jimmy Butler, just to use an example, goes at the end of the first round and ends up being an all-star, and Donovan Mitchell goes 12, and obviously if you redid that draft, he would go much higher, and there's been you know, dozens and dozens of those examples. Who on the other side is doing that evaluation to tell you what you should be expected to be as far as where you're being selected in the first round?
4: That form will go to every NBA team. And that every and you know every NBA team has their draft board, so they basically say this is where we have you on our board. Uh, so you'll get feedback from all thirty teams saying this is where we see you. You're you know we see you as one to ten, we see you as you know uh, late lottery, we see you as uh, you know late first, um, we see you as not even being draftable. You know, one of the players from Arizona last year put his name in and, you know, told him he wouldn't be drafted. But he left his name in anyway, and he wasn't drafted. Um, so it's – and everybody has to make that decision personally. But you're getting good – I mean, I think you're getting good feedback. I don't think any of those NBA teams are lying about that. Some Because that doesn't go to the public. It just goes back to the head coach at Arizona for Nico. And then, you know, so, jo, you know, it, Sean put it in for, you know, Nico and, and Josh Green and Naji because those three are all looking – at their options and what they're going to do next year. And all three of them right now um, are projected as first-round picks, you know, anywhere from 10 to 30 if you look at the, the board. You know, and Nico's anywhere from 10 to 27 if you look at different mock drafts. I try not to look at those because those are just opinions from writers. Um, that some of them might talk to some NBA people, and, you know, you could talk to somebody that's really high on Josh Green and then talk to the, the next team that says, we don't even think he's going to be drafted in the second round. Or the same for Nico. You know, so it's – those things are, are to me are – especially right now with nothing – no sports on TV, nothing being played. Everybody's trying to, you know, get clicks and, and do what they do. And I know it's tough on you guys because there's nothing – you know, you're, you're, you are guys – you don't have much to talk about right now, so it makes it difficult. But that's the process, and I think it's a fair one. And at least it gives you an idea of, okay, this is what the NBA is thinking about me as a player that I can go, and, and I'm almost assured that I'm going to be at least a top 20 pick. And, and those are things you – you know – not, look, if you get drafted in the NBA, you're going to get an opportunity. You're going to get guaranteed money for a few years and get an opportunity to prove you can play, and that's really what you want. And so that's where you want to be. I think you want to be sure you're going there. And like you said, PK, you talk about guys getting drafted later, and it's what I tell Nico. I know your ego wants to tell you, I want to be in the top ten. I want to be drafted top ten. I want to be a lottery guy, whatever <laughs> it is. But in a in big, mm-hmm. big scheme, you know, does Donovan Mitchell become Donovan Mitchell if he doesn't go to Utah? does Devin Booker who goes to pick after Donovan Mitchell become who he is in another system? You know, so those are the things you look at because it's, it's more about where you go than when you go. Uh, because, you know, certain teams, there are certain fits I see for Nico that I think would be great spots for him because of how they play, you know, the systems they run. Those are, you know, better fits for Nico than other teams. But we don't have much control over that until draft day. If you don't want to go somewhere, you don't go. You know, you try to you try to blow that deal up, and that's happened in the past. It's, to me, it's very risky to do that. No, um, but I know players here. Devin Booker did it. I think Utah wanted to draft him, and they didn't want to go there because they didn't feel there was enough time or minutes there because of all, everybody they had. So they pushed back on Utah and ended up going to Phoenix to draft the pick afterwards. And it all worked out for everybody. You guys got Donovan. He's a great player. They got Booker. He's a great player. it worked out. I don't know how many times it does not doesn't work out, but that's just part of the game.
0: Well, the only thing I would add to that, it doesn't matter when you go, is uh, unless you're projected to go higher, you think you should go higher. Because certainly Rudy Gobert wears number 27 for a reason. He's still upset about where he was drafted. I think Jimmy Butler's talked about how it still motivates him. Tom Bradley, or Tom Bradley Tom Brady knows he went uh, 199th. Aaron Rodgers is still pissed about falling in the first round. So, you know, if you're looking for motivation have a really talented player slip a little bit and that'll get them all sorts of fired up for a long period of time.
4: Well, and you've got to remember, you know, you're talking about all these kids. I mean, if you ask Nico right now, who's the best point guard in the draft? In his mind, it's him. He believes he's the best point guard he believes his future will be as good as anybody's, if not better than anybody's coming out this year. You know? And if you ask Cole Anthony or LaMelo or anybody, they'll tell you the same thing. But that's what makes all those kids great. So if they do get drafted later than they think they should, of course they're going to have that chip. Of course I don't think it changes how you work and what you do because I think all these kids, you don't get to where you are by not working. You know, These kids are all considered first-round draft picks because of the work they put in, and, and, and there's hours and hours and hours that nobody ever sees. So they're, they're all going to work. Does that extra chip. I mean, you listen to uh, Draymond Green. He can name all, I don't know how many, 30, 31 players, 32 players drafted in front of him. He can name them in order. And, you know, of course, that chip's still there. And he's won rings, but he still remembers all those names. So I agree with you on that one. They'll, they'll remember it, but I don't think it's – and it might come – I think the time they remember it is when they're playing that guy. If you were drafted in front of me. I'm going to prove that I'm better than you, you know. So that's just part of – because these guys are so good and their egos are so big and and, and you have to have a you know some type of ego and, and confidence to be able to to have that, 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 that in you I believe.
3: I hear what you're saying, Pace about remembering the names I'm sure you've heard these names, Locke and Monson. Now, why do I bring that up, Pace? Why do I bring up those names? Because those were the two freaking names that DJ wanted before I got picked. They turned him down. He wanted two other guys, Pace, Locke and Monson, before he wanted me. So screw Cole Anthony and anybody else who
4: thinks they're better than your kid. You know what I'm saying, Pace? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, you seem to always have a chip on your shoulder too, PK, so you've worn it well.
0: <laughs> you know the thing about this pace, if we could ignore the other guy for a second is that uh, normal circumstances, I would never tell anybody that, and the only person who could really back this up if he still remembers is Craig Hansen because he was the only person in the room and we were talking and we blew through those two names in less than 30 seconds because neither one of them were available but only because they weren't available, right, and so they weren't available, and so we moved on so right. it, it was PK, exactly, pace. It was PK thank you pretty quickly, Thank you. and then and Pace, this is a true story probably less than six months in, possibly less than three months in, you know, you start to get a handle on your partner's personality, and he talked about things that motivated him and said, oh, well, I'm going to chum the waters with this little fact, and they throw it out there. Eighteen years later, it still works. This is beautiful.
4: There you go. There you go. You know what buttons to push
3: for sure. Sure. Absolutely. All right, Pace, well, as always, we appreciate well, – Let me tell uh, you, Pace, if Cole Anthony goes ahead – No, wait, I'm not done. Done, okay, all right. I'm <laughs> not done. Cole Anthony goes – if Anthony goes ahead of your kid, that's all the ammunition. And at that point, I'm hoping that my guys down there, uh, downtown off of Washington, come to their senses, take the local kid so he's playing for Monty next year. How about that, Pace?
4: Well, it would save me a move, you know. So I'm, you know, I got a one in thirty chance of not having to sell my house. <laughs> you know, we'll, 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 we'll see how that goes, but you know, we're just a look. It's a blessing to be where he's at. You know, we're 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 excited for him, and and you know, if if it ends up being the Suns or you know uh, or Utah, you know, I know Utah has got a, a late first round pick. I think they're right around twenty three or twenty four right now projected to be. I know. Uh, Utah's a good system, too, for him, I think. And so we'll, we'll see what plays out. Well,
0: I know that uh, I have asked multiple NBA scouts about him. And one of them looked at me funny and I said, "Uh, you probably aren't aware of this, but I worked with his dad for five years in TV. He's like, oh, I said, I knew when he was in the second grade. I've never had this level of personal investment in an NBA draft pick before. So I'm really curious. And so he nodded, but I still have the feeling. You know how when people are telling you stuff, but you know there's another motivation? And, like, you know, somebody right. wants to tell me something. But at the same time, and I got the distinct feeling, and they never said this. I mean, I could I could swear, you swear you know, in any court of law anywhere, they never said it. But the nonverbal communication I got when they were speaking was they thought there was a chance that Nico was going to slip, and they're hoping he does.
4: Oh, yeah. Well, I think there's a—I think there's, you know— there's a lot of teams that, that, that hope some of the drafts are right that he drops down into the twenties, and and it could happen. You don't. I mean, we don't know. Um, I think the for a lot of kids, I think these that there won't be any pre-draft workouts. I think that hurts Nico because I think NBA you know GMs and owners and and coaches get to see him in person to see how athletic he is, to see how well he shoots the ball, to see how well he you know what he does. And I just don't think those. I think that hurts him more than helps him. You know, and obviously. You know, you haven't seen too many, you know, red-headed point guards in the NBA. That's a pretty athletic spot you got to play, in, and there's always that doubt, you know. So he's got some things he's got to overcome, and so far he's done it, and I don't see any reason why he, he won't continue that path and, and prove some of the doubters wrong, but that's up to him.
0: All right, got to run here, but uh, hey, uh, on his more serious note, all the best to uh, Guy's family and all your friends over in Italy. Uh, P.K. and i been talking it. about that. that. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. This is 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.